This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hi, and welcome to Back of the Nest Review Show. I'm your host, Chris Hambling, and in this episode we look back at the 3-1 defeat at Everton and tackle a host of your questions as Palace continue to drop down the table. I'll introduce you to my panel right after this short message. Fintons. Mm. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is... You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and term supply. See mcdonalds.com. Right, with me today I have Nicholas Gillard. How you doing? All right? Yeah, you're back, aren't you? Yeah. Quite regular yeah, now. Yeah, I'm sure how I feel about this. But, you know, hey, thanks for joining me today. That's uh, my pleasure. Excellent stuff. We also have Mr. Mike Scott, if uh, the recording is actually working, because you've had some troubles, haven't you, Mike? I have, but hello all, that should be good. Yeah, yeah. Well, you actually went to Everton, and you went with uh, Chris Clark of this parish, and, um, yeah, he's had a, a time of it, hasn't he? Yeah, he's not back yet. Uh, obviously, we've had storm. Whatever. What's what's the storm called? What the? storm hazel or whatever. It is. Okay. Um, so he's he's stuck up there. Um, but he's he's been there since Friday anyway. Um, got some excellent stories on his weekend. Um, fa- fairly eventful, fairly amusing. Um, so happy to share them if you'd like me to. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, why not? We we haven't got a lot of fun things to talk about, have we? So. Uh, boy, it's, it's true. Okay. Well. Um, I, I got there, I, I went nice and early Saturday morning, um, 12.30 away kickoffs are the, uh, are the devil's work, uh, I hate them, but, um, he went Friday evening, um, got the, got the slow train up so he could do some work, um, and he met a couple of mates, um, and in typical Chris style, um, I think he had a bit too much to drink, um, and I think it, it's, it says a lot about the man that I wasn't surprised when he said he was, um, sick, uh, he said he'd got up the, the lift um, to go to his room, his hotel room. Um, he got out of the lift and realised he didn't think he'd be able to make it to his room without being sick. Um, he was sick not once, not twice, but three times down the wall um, in the uh, in the corridor. Apparently, they didn't manage to find out it was him. Um, but the next day, there was they these... do now. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, the next day, there was these kind of stains on the wall um, and the carpet where they cleaned it up, and just a guy walking with his with his arm 
um, over his face. But that that's not the best bit. He turned up to the pub. Um, I was in. Uh, he told me to meet, meet him in the Shipper Mitre, which is a really lovely pub. Went in there with um, Paul from Namesdale Cravatics and a few other people. Very nice. Um, so Chris turned up a little bit late. Um, typical. Probably stayed in bed a bit too long. In just a t-shirt. And it wasn't very warm in Liverpool. Um, the reason he was just in a t-shirt is he'd been sick on his only jacket and his only jumper. Um, so the entire of yesterday, he was in nothing but a black t-shirt. Um, right. What, I mean, what first of all, when you said... First of all, when you said in just a T-shirt, I majorly pictured him as Teddy Ruxpin. Um, yeah, no, I'm sorry, he he was wearing trousers. He wasn't he wasn't Teddy yeah, Ruxpin yet. No, good because that isn't acceptable even even in Liverpool away, uh, Everton away. Sorry, brilliant stuff. Well, I mean that is that's classic Clarky. He just cannot help himself, can he? Uh, but you you cope to write, you know, lots of train biz. You know, so you know you start in that early. Um, it's uh, risky. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I only had them on the way up, on the way on the way back. I'd I'd, I'd had enough by that point, so um, just had a, a bit of a snooze. It, yeah, it was it was fairly civilized. Had enough to take the edge off the game. Really, that was the main thing. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, I mean, this even though that was quite savage, what happened to Chris, it doesn't quite match the savagery that was the preview show this week, does it? Let's face it. Um, I oh, mean, no. you know. I can't. I can't go into any coffee shops anymore without guffawing when I look down the menu and see cappuccino because that that's ruined <laughs> it for me for the rest of my life. Now it really has. <laughs> right. um, no, no spoilers if you haven't heard it. But even though it's a preview of the Everton game, if you haven't listened to it, and, and I don't know why you wouldn't have done, but please go and give that a listen. It was incredible work from the boys this week, and uh, yeah, um, lots of messages from people in hysterics and in trains and on their commute to work and all that sort of stuff. It was, it was excellent. Yeah. Cappuccino. Eh? Anyway, uh, let's get on with this. So um, we've got some great news for us um, in terms of the show, not, not so much in terms of palace at the moment, but uh, we've teamed up with pitch sport football. Um, they've got an app, which I very much encourage you to download. Probably the easiest way to do that. If you Google pitch sport football, it's the first thing there available on the app store and Google play. Uh, quite a simple app at the moment, but it's essentially around predicting um, results, talking about lineups, and just generally getting in conversation with ourselves. And also John Salako, who's on there as well, posting videos on a regular basis. They do a podcast themselves in a, from a general football sense. Um, you know, we're just getting to know them early in the relationship, but it's um, yeah something that's um, quite entertaining. We're all on there. You can add us as friends, and we'll put our codes out another time. But um, like I say, get yourself signed up, get in touch, and, and start interacting. It's um. Yeah, it's well worth doing, and I look forward to a, a long and prosperous relationship with pitch sport football. Uh, this week and every week, um, DR is popping up a, a fan time question of the week. Um, this week he did it under the name of Michael for some reason, but um, he asked basically a question around who can replace Roy. Um, it's something obviously we'll probably be talking about during the show today, but if you join up with the app, you can reply to DR slash Michael with your own answers, and um, we look forward to that interaction growing. If you want to get in touch with us after a game or um, or indeed at any point via WhatsApp, you can leave us a voice message, 0203 575 1266. Pop that in your contacts and then use WhatsApp to send out a voice message. Um, our socials, Instagram is at Back of, the, Back of the Nest CPFC, Twitter at Back of the Nest, Facebook, Back of the Nest, YouTube, Back of the Nest, and email hi at backofthenest.com. And finally, lots of you have been doing this, really appreciated five-star reviews on your chosen reviews on your chosen podcast app. Um, 
they go a long way to helping us spread the word of the show and it's hugely appreciated and thank you especially this week for the people that uh, blocked us on twitter uh, or told us we were horrible human beings um excellent cheers to you all appreciate it <laughs> was there many who was that was that, was that andy p burton again uh, he was certainly one of them. Yeah, there was, oh, there was three or four. It's good. It's good. It shows people listening if they if they block you or tell you you're a total bastard. So that's good. Why are we bad people? What do we do? I remember one of them was that apparently we had an agenda. Hmm. Not sure what that agenda would be. A whole host of people who don't tend to agree <laughs> agree with each other <laughs> apparently have a collective agenda. Hmm. Anyway, I don't let that kind of stuff bother me in the slightest. So we'll crack on with the show and let's talk. We usually leave the game till the sort of after a main topic, but the main topic this week, I think, will, um, will be a Q&A. Which, so we decided we'll do that after the game, uh, the game discussion. And we can't really start anywhere else other than the fact that Roy lame, named the same lineup uh, against as we played Sheffield United at home uh, away to Everton. I wasn't surprised. I doubt either Nick or Mike or any Palace fan really was surprised. But probably the most important per, uh, group that weren't surprised were Everton. Um, and, you know, it's it's getting really, really hard to take now. We're, you know, we're seeing a, a club that isn't really feeling like it's going in the, in the right direction at the moment. And we're seeing a manager who, even when has been he's been given the chance to make make changes he hasn't done so you know the injuries have subsided to a point lots of excuses were being made about you know he's picking the only 11 he could but we're seeing that that level of consistency from from Hodgson that you know at times has served us well you know for me it really feels like it's costing us at the moment and I have to sort of point to some stats that were put up on Sky Sports today um, where you think about you know why you know people go oh we're always doing great with what he's got and you know why are people moaning and wanting a change? Well, you know, listen, listen to this. In terms of goals scored, twentieth in the Premier League. In terms of shots, twentieth in the Premier League. In terms of shots on target, equal nineteenth in the Premier League. In terms of chances created, because we often hear how we're creating chances and we just need to put them away, twentieth in the Premier League. In terms of crosses into the box, eighteenth in the Premier League. The only thing we're doing well at in that list is goals conceded where we're equal sixth. Our defence and our goalkeeper has got us out of jail so much and it's never more evident when you look at those statistics. Who are the two clubs below us for crosses? That's, that's incredible. Um, I, I, I can't <laughs> believe that. Um, no, there, there was um, there was a good half a dozen of us in the pub and, and um, there, was, there was definitely some dissenting voices going, well, let's just... Stay in the pub. It got yeah, it got to eleven thirty, and uh, people saw the lineup. Oh god, no, Andros. Um, they're serving some nice beers in here. Why don't we stay? Um, it's a, a bit of a shame. I mean, I can see why people say there's not a lot he can do, but I, I, I was personally gutted to not see Andros because I, I think you talked about the stats from Sheffield United last week, where you know only twenty three percent of the the chances came down the right hand side, and that that really is a bit of a weak spot at the moment. It's um yeah I, I really feel for you going up there completely and utterly was it was it really bad in the stands there or you know was it just hand ringing or was it people shaking their heads how was it no, it's uh, quite quiet no I mean it was it was very quiet it was it was lively esque um Everton fans are, are very quiet even when they went one nil up there was a bit of bit of 
shouting for a minute and then back to silence. Um, the, uh, the HF, I think, were fairly dispersed. Um, if they, there were that many, I, I recognised a few, but I, I, um, I don't think they all could travel up. Um, I, and there certainly wasn't one particular place where, um, you know, songs were coming from. People were trying their best. There was about eight people in the middle of the, the middle of the middle block trying to get things going, but it, it, it wasn't easy. I, I think we were in decent voice compared with the, the, the Everton fans, but it was a quiet one, as as 12.30 games just tend to be, really, don't they? Yeah, that, of course they do. And, um, you know, again, it, you know, the, as much as we've always looked at ourselves as a, a club that doesn't need what's going on the pitch to inspire us to make noise, I think at the moment it's really difficult for anyone to really find any huge amount of excitement with what we're having to watch at the moment. You know, I, I noticed a, a very significant sea change on social media in terms of how critical people were being. Lots of people now saying, oh, look, you know, up until today I was fully behind Roy, but now I'm in the Roy out camp or at least heading that way. You know, it's not something I like to I like to read because – you know, my natural inclination, as much as I've been critical of Roy for quite a long time now, my natural inclination is to to back anyone in a Palace shirt and any and any Palace manager because I think being supportive is is the way to go. Is kind of our duty as fans to to get out there and support the team and try and create a, a positive atmosphere. But I think when you start listing the the things that have gone on of late that really make it hard to do that, I think you know we're human beings and we are. Yeah, basically, we're struggling. And Nick, I know you were talking before the show about how it was a bit of a watershed for you. It was a watershed for me. But just before you go on to that, social media, a lot of people are saying, oh, I'm not renewing my season ticket or, oh, I'm going to change my team. I'm, I'm presuming they're Americans. I'm hoping it's American people. But you, you can't give up your season ticket. This is part of the Palace ride. You know, we've had some good times. You got to, look, I've sat through Peter Taylor. You can sit through this. You ain't giving up your season ticket. And... If you if you can't sit through the bad times at Palace, you don't appreciate the good times as much. But yeah, after the game yesterday, I was fuming. I thought, why is he why is he picking the same lineup? Um, we know what's going to happen. Gyro and PVA can play in the same team. I'm convinced of it. it, it we just need something different. You can't keep repeating the same thing because a other teams know what we're doing. B we look stale. It looks stagnant, and there's a general malaise, and it's 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 getting to social media, which is obviously exacerbated a bit. But tweeting Steve Parrish, do you think he's going to take any notice? You know, no, not if you tweet him, no. And and the, the level of abuse is is just idiotic, to be honest with you. But um, but you know, people have to have an outlet for their frustrations, and I'm thought you know that's probably the easiest outlet. To be fair, better 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 on Twitter than somewhere else, I suppose. I, I, I don't want to piss all over your show notes, um, because I know you've, you've written a fair amount on the game. But um, what I would say from being up there is um, if people lost it after yesterday, um, I, I find that a little strange because the game was, quite, it seemed to me like quite an outlier for our season because um, we did create plenty. Um, and uh, Benteke obviously scored one, but probably should have scored at least two. Um, but what was different from the majority of the other games this season is is we're kind of back to like you say we're we're sick for conceding goals in the league which is you know decent we defended uncharacteristically badly um but at the same time created an uncharacteristically large amount so yesterday's game didn't seem like the continuation of of say the Sheffield United game because there was points when we were when 
when they came in and smashed in the second, it looked as though um, we we were we were the ones looking like we were going to go two one up. So um, yeah, it was it was a bit odd to, and I just don't think it was quite similar to the other games recently. No, I think you're absolutely right, and and the key thing is if we were talking about this game on its own. It really is fair to say that we played quite well at times. I don't go along with the idea, you know, Roy talked after the game, frustrated me to watch him speak really because he was talking about being dominant and being playing really well. And I, and I think that's a stretch. Um, but I do think it was a better performance than perhaps the anger suggests. But the reason that is, is pretty obvious to everybody. The anger's there because we've had a terrible transfer window. We've won three games in 18 now. Um, we are perilously close to the bottom of the table when everyone was much more confident, you know, even a matter of three, four weeks ago, you know, we get, we're rightfully getting anxious. We're rightfully getting frustrated. Um, and the worst thing is we're, we know what to expect every time we turn up. And when you're in such a terrible run of form, you want to see something, you want to see some kind of creative thinking, something that little bit different, you know, and Roy, again, in his words after the game, you know what he's thinking. He's thinking, if we keep doing the same, if we keep plugging away, it will turn for us. He might be right, but you know, I think one, half a season we're talking about now, half a season in terrible, terrible form. And yes, we've had in- injuries and it's been difficult at times, but you can't write off half a season as, oh, you know, if we keep going like this, we'll be fine. And you certainly can't look at the season-long stats that we talked about earlier and think that there isn't a significant problem to solve because there really is. What stuck in my craw is that Ward didn't have a very good game and he's got there's no competition for that place at the moment. So he can afford to not have a very good game because he's got, you know, nobody pushing him. And that is not down to Roy, or maybe it is, but and we can go over the, the getting the right back in, but you know, the the blame is not solely with, with the manager. That we've got to make that clear. Um maybe we were unlucky. And Mike, yeah, we were unlucky in that game. Fine margins, you know, can make or break a, a game and make or break a manager. PBA not, you know, it hit the post if it had gone in. But, you know, it's that kind of thing. We've got Tosin back the next game. But if we set out the same, I think Newcastle is is going to be the litmus test. It really is. Because if, if we put in another poor f- performance at home, particularly with Steve Bruce, I want him looking at his shoes. But like you've said before, it might be that, We'll win that one and then everybody will be all right. And because you know how fickle we are, uh, we'll win a couple of games and then we'll lose four or five. It's, you know, do we do enough just to stay up or and hope for the investment? Who knows? Uh, so that's some good points. I, I think the only thing before we get into the goals is to say that um, the defending was Pardew-esque. I mean, that, that was the reason. We were lucky, very lucky not to have conceded four, perhaps even five. That, that Calvert-Lewin miss at the end. Um, it was just, it was just odd. There was that defending was just terrible. Uh, I suppose we'll go into them now. Yeah, we will. And I think you know, one a couple of things I haven't really written down that I was expecting us to talk about anyway. You talk about the defending. I thought it was Gary Cahill's worst game in a Palace shirt by some distance. He looked yeah, definitely off the pace before we even conceded. Before he even made any actual errors, it was really noticeable that he he was dealing with his defensive duties purely, sort of pushing and holding people and. You know, it just seemed like he was struggling to keep up with things. And I don't know why that was. I don't know if he's carrying an injury or something because he's been, you know, excellent, as has Tompkins, you know, when they've played. But, you know, in this particular game, 
you were talking, I mean, the first goal really highlights it actually, you know, so we've, we've given, Wolf, Wolf's been tackled, you know, as we're trying to break down the, down the left-hand side, down Everton's right. But, you know, for fully 20 seconds, I, I was watching it again earlier back as I'm a glutton for punishment. There were seven Palace players attracted to five Everton players on the right-hand side of the pitch. So before the ball even comes in, you can, you know, you can look across to the box and Joel Ward is standing there in the middle. He's the only player, only Palace player in the middle of the box, marking the centre forward. So already you've got a right back marking the centre forward. And Bernard, who eventually scores the goal, is just standing on the edge of the box. Nobody around him because the whole midfield has been sucked out to the other to the side of the pitch. And he's just got the freedom to stroll over to the right-hand side of the box. No one picks him up. Ward can't go anywhere. He can't leave Calvert-Lewin. And that's absolutely critical because as PVA dives in on Walcott and misses the ball, Walcott gets free, puts the cross in. And you can just see it as, as they realise Walcott's about to cross. You can see several players frantically trying to move across and get into the middle. But it's just, just way, 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 way too late. It's pathetic. And Ward, you know, he's got to stay with Calvert-Lewin. He can't do anything else but misses Calvert-Lewin and ends up effectively not really marking him and certainly not marking Bernardo on that side. And he just, he has a, it's a good finish. You know, it's it's hard and pass quiet before he can react. And we know he's got great reactions, but, you know, you defend like that, you deserve to go 1-0 down. It, it did look to me as though um, they were expecting IU to pick up Bernard, um, who, by the way, instantly got under my skin. It, it, all four for eight of him, he was being a bit of a twat. Um, and uh, it was very annoying that he, he volleyed that goal in. But um, the amount of space he was in, it, and it did look as though um, they were expecting IU to be tracking back, which he didn't do, which, you know, you, you probably would expect Andros to have done because um, he was a, a, a pivotal cog in the uh, defensive machine before he got injured. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, but ultimately, you know, it's, it's an incredibly disappointing goal It just because it just looked so easy. And it's very easy to to look at the players in the immediate vicinity, and you talk, you know, especially are you perhaps not tracking back? But there weren't huge numbers <laughs> of Everton players forward. Um, I think you know our midfield has killed us there, and potentially you need to look at the reasons for that. You know, why are we so compact in, in that on that area of the pitch? Um, because we know Roy is very keen to organise the midfield and keen to organise where people are when when we're you know when we don't have possession of the ball. So have the players made that mistake or is it simply a case of Everton exploiting our um, our tactics? Um, to be fair, the Everton guy who we spoke to on Love Sport on Wednesday said that their midfield had been terrible. So whether Roy wanted to kind of get onto that, I don't know. But it, it's just the same thing over and over again, Chris. I've had enough of it, mate. What we, uh, how do you... How do you actually get this manager to to change his ways? Because it is getting really, really concerning. It's, well, I don't it's think. The, and the more you're talking about it, I know it's it's yeah. I've had enough. I've really had enough. <laughs> I can sense that. I know. Look, I think, but I think the point you made earlier is it's not all about the manager. There's things that you know Roy can't stop the lack of quality. Because I think I tweeted this at, at half time. I was really trying to avoid sticking the boot in on the on on Roy or anything like that during the game just to try and make comments that weren't the same comments I've been making all season when I was, while I was while I was tweeting. And I said the most disappointing thing for me was the lack of quality that we had. The, you know, Luca must have smashed the ball on a diagonal out of play three or four times. And you can't really legislate for that. Roy's not asking him to do that. So 
that's where the players need to take the responsibility as well because they were not you know performing they weren't weren't putting the I mean you know Roy talked about it again post-match talked about our, our passing in, improved in quality towards the sort of end of the first half but it couldn't have got much worse we were so wasteful and we are so weak when teams press us that yeah, it's embarrassing at times. It really is. And the players are better than that. And I suppose you have to ask the question why they don't have that belief. And perhaps then, Nick, I guess that might go back to the manager. Yeah, we don't seem to be playing with any flair. Now, Maya is meant to be a flair player, perhaps a bit of a luxury player. We, I, who goes on terrific runs, you know, ball sticks to his feet. I, I thought he had quite a decent game yesterday. You know, I'd like to see his heat map. Um, but, yeah, we just... No imagination, and is it the rigid rigidity? Is it has it been beaten out of them? As you know, I think if we keep playing like it, it's, it's just it's just going going to get a lot worse, and that's going to really really get the players' confidence. And you don't want it to be a downward spiral. I think we see you really don't. And that's that's the danger of it happening. I think we we really do see evidence of what when we're watching Palace of our approach being more about trying to stop our opponents, trying, you know, being concerned about what our opponents might do. You know, Roy talked before the game about, you know, our front three are capable of scoring goals. They're capable of giving anyone a game. I think, first of all, sometimes the the choice of word that Roy uses, give away, give a bit away, because he's talking about attacking as all, all being about the front three. So straight away, you're talking about three players versus their defence, because he's in his head, you know, the back five, including the keeper, plus his three central midfielders. They're all about stopping the opposition, defending, keeping shape. And that shows you really, I think, where our biggest problems come from. So there is that. But, you know, I think we can't really, I don't know, we can't can't really get too sort of worked up about... <laughs> Sorry, Nick, you've just jumped in there. I'm going to let you come in. No, I was going to say... Could- could Gyro actually fit that role just in front of the defence? I mean, Luca's so close to being banned again, isn't he? Because he's one yellow card away. It was a surprise he didn't get one yesterday. But, you know, what 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 would be a different way to play? And I don't want you to go all kind of De Boer on us, but, you know, what could what differently could we do with that group of players that Roy isn't doing? Well, there's loads. I mean, I got a load of stick for posting my my pitch sport football um team i got loads of people because i took mccarthy and mccarthy out of it i changed to a, a, a i thought four two three one i had luca and um coyote screening maya ahead of them and then townsend zaha and Ayu. that was that was my idea of doing something different and loads of people say you can't drop mccarthy he's been our, he's our best midfielder or you know Myers too too weak to play that position and all this kind of stuff and I just and my point back was just look, that's different though isn't it it's something different you're not relying on three people screening to talk about Riedervald coming in you're absolutely right he could probably do that job and the interesting thing if you think about maybe you know if Sacco was fit and playing in the centre back position you know those two players really can pass the ball and generally speaking are calm on it as well. Sometimes Sacco's a little too calm on the ball. But adding that level of, of technical ability into the squad could probably help with the way that we're actually playing. Um, so I really see it as a case of if we're going to keep picking this team, we've got to play differently. We can't keep trying to knock the ball around you know, with, with short passing and build attacks when we've got people who aren't confident enough on the ball and aren't technically good enough to make consistent passes. Yeah, it, 
I think they're really, really rigid in the training. Um, somebody, I think it was West Brom, uh, an ex-West Brom player, said the training was really, really dull before it because it was the same thing over and over and over again. So that they're not used to different situations, if that's the case. Um, my um, my pitch sport team was exactly the same as yesterday's, except I had IU up front dropping Benteke and Townsend playing where IU played. Um, so just, just anyway, look, let's 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 move on. Um, after we'd conceded the goal, there was a something of a shout uh, for a penalty on Wilf. Um, so he's, he's challenged Pickford. Pickford's not quite got his hands fully on the ball. Wilf's kind of managed to knock it away. As he's done so, he's ended up getting sort of sandwiched between two Everton defenders. It would have been a relatively weak one in my view, but Wilf was absolutely adamant and, and fairly fed up when it didn't get given. Uh, Mike, what's your views on that? Very, very close to it. Um, it's quite close to the pitch anyway, and and it, it was a it was a no from me, and I think the majority of the people around as well. Um, I felt like Wilf was already pretty worked up, um, and he didn't do himself any favours with the crowd um, from it. So. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I think it would have been very harsh, and and as I usually say with these things, if it had happened against us, I'd have been pretty pissed off. Yeah, I will say that it's one of those where the contact is actually sort of hip on hip, and they very rarely get given. But you know, it is contact, and I think, I think watching it back, the commentator said something along the lines of. Um, oh, he's you know he's he's made contact, but he hasn't meant to, and that really winds me up because it doesn't matter whether you mean to make contact or not. If you do it, it is a foul. But you know, it might be something where something could have got given if it happened in the middle of the pitch. But you know, you're never really going to get a penalty from that, unfortunately. It was just two players going for the ball with equal intent, so no way was it a penalty. I think you know, Wilf was barging as much as the other bloke, so the ref gave it right call. I think. Yeah, fair enough. But um, so we did start to improve towards the end of the first half. But you know, it's all relative, isn't it? I think we were we were fairly abject for for most of the first half. So yeah, we did start to try and build a little bit of momentum. And once again, though, we have a situation where Roy can point to, oh, we weren't so great in the first half, but in the second half we were better. Um, and that annoys the hell out of me because you know matches are ninety minutes long, and yeah, it's getting to me. I have to say. I think what really pissed me off um, in his post-match comments was he said something like, well, both, both teams were, were rubbish in the first 20 minutes. And he's like, obviously, they were 1-0 up. And it's like, well, they can't have been that rubbish then if they went 1-0 up with an absolutely excellent strike, can they? I mean, you can't just go, <laughs> oh, it's, don't worry, we we didn't create a lot. They didn't either. Um, if you've got clinical players that put that one chance away, well, that's what we don't have. I mean, we'll talk about it with Benteke in a minute. He, he, okay, he scored one, and we'll go on to it, I suppose. He scored it fairly luckily. He also missed two absolutely guilt-edged chances that Everton just did not miss. So when he says they weren't very good, it doesn't matter because they've got people that actually score a goal. Yeah, I think that's a that's a fair point. Although, well, we'll talk about the Benteke misses, I guess. But look, we second half, we were... The noticeable difference was that we were pressing, and we, for whatever reason, we don't like to press teams in the first forty-five, and I think that doesn't do us any favours for sure. Um, but we decided to sort of come out of that shape a little bit, play a little bit higher up the pitch. But I thought for the goal, what we saw was 
kind of when we start talking about maybe playing a bit differently, playing to the personnel, we actually saw evidence of how that could work because we've got a few bodies in and around Benteke and a, a long ball up. And, you know, he's going to win a fair amount in the air if you, if you give him good service. And he's able to knock the ball on. Uh, Wilf has obviously picked it up. And then without really looking, it's an excellent through ball straight into Benteke's stride. So I really love to see it. They, those two have always linked really well when they've played sort of close together. And I do like to see that. Yes, Pickford should obviously save that. But it isn't the point. You know, we, we put a good through ball for a striker to run onto. And the striker's just got his head down and, and, and put the shot on target. You know, occasionally when you hit the ball to go through the keeper's legs, it's probably the best place to put it because he doesn't quite know how to react if the shot's firm enough. And on this occasion it was, and I was just delighted that Christian Benteke got a goal. I really, of all the players on the pitch that I wanted to score, he was he was right up there at the top. Yeah, agreed. And and he was excellent with his hold-up play um, throughout the game. He um, he did he did. All, all the things that you expect of the, the best of Christian Benteke when he's got his back to goal. Um, so, yeah, absolutely no fault there. And um, if you're going to be kind to him about the shot, um, it certainly looked like Pickford had started to go far corner because that's where he expected a striker to go and he went near near corner. So, um, you know, it could have been a master stroke of, of deception, I suppose. <laughs> well, let's call it that. Um, he did have a really good chance shortly after. I don't know if this is the one that you're one of the ones you're saying he should have scored because I think that might be a little bit harsh because it was a terrible corner from PVA and the balls just kind of en- ended up hitting him at some point and then ended up hitting hitting the sort of post quite high up, um, but could so easily have gone in. Um, and of course, but there was the one later on where he, you know, to all he just thought he's just going to head this straight in, in for two two later on. Um, and somehow Pickford's just tried to get something on on it just by sort of jumping up in a in a general area, and it's it's hit him really. So, but it goes down as a really good save, a really good save. But also, I mean, either side of him, and it was, I mean, the the Palace fans were were really up for it by then, um, and it it really took the the wind out of us as much as it took the wind out of the players to get stuck. Um, with the sucker punch not that long afterwards. Um, but when that goal didn't go in, I, I mean, A, that's that's Pickford at his best, but because he, he seems to just have this reflex reaction save. Um, you know, you see the best and the worst of Pickford most games uh, and it makes you worry for England sometimes, but um, excellent stop. But I mean, Benteke has an absolute beast of a head, you know, a proper meathead and how he hasn't with that amount of pace managed to get it to go in, I've got no idea. Um and I watched it back on the um the highlights on the on the Palace website and I'm no lip reader but Hodgson <laughs> it's, it's something like, How have you fucking missed that? Um so yeah. I don't think he was too impressed. I think what Needs considering in that is the stat we talked about earlier on, where we're 18th in terms of crosses. You know, if a player is used to getting the ball put on his head, um, you know, or, or given an opportunity to head the ball on a regular basis, and I'm, I'm acknowledging that Benteke hasn't been fit for a fair portion of the season, but when he has played, we just don't get enough service into him. I think Sam Allardyce was on BT Sport um, reading other people's comments. Um, and was saying similar that how he got the best out of Benteke was to get the fullbacks and the wide players to pepper the crosses into the box as early as possible. Scored 17 goals like that in a season, didn't he? Didn't he just? Maybe there's something to learn there. 
<laughs> anyway, <laughs> so we got um, we got that the, the classic sucker punch that, that Mike's alluded to. Um, yes, a classic classic breakaway goal. Yes, a fantastic finish, but awful defending once again. So you know, Richarlison's got um, got a, a, a f- picked up the flick on after a long ball forward. Um, Tompkins losing out to. Dominic Calvert Lewin, Dominic Calvert Lewin, um, but just Cahill just backpedals. I mean, and he's standing way off him. He's given him four or five yards ahead of him and backpedaling. So not no intention of getting close, and doesn't really seem sure of his direction. Um, and part of that is because you know Richarlison's a very good footballer with good close control, so he's moving the ball about as he's running. But so easy for him to to allow him to get close enough to shoot. You've got to do something about that. Uh, and, and to add salt to a literal injury, Tompkins pulls a hamstring running back as well. So wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, loved it. I, I mean, obviously, he's he Barcelona bid eighty five million for Richarlison for a reason. He's an excellent player. Um, but what I thought at the time was, when is the last time Zahar had the opportunity of that much space? Other teams just don't let it happen. Um, he's obviously our player that creates the most and Richarlison's the, the same for Everton and I'm thinking the last time that Zaha had that kind of space I think it was probably away at Huddersfield about a year and a half ago um, it's it's just something that, that probably shouldn't happen in the Premier League because they're obviously going to score he's an amazing player and, and it was it was frustrating um, and at that point you just knew that we weren't going to get anything from the game it, it wasn't going to happen it wasn't our day Yeah I think if if I mean, to be as fair as I possibly can be, because it's a breakaway, you know, when you do see Wilf get space on a few occasions, it is when we when we break and we move the ball quickly and the, the opposition have committed players forward. And we were very much putting huge amounts of pressure on Everton. And, you know, if, I think pretty, all of us watching that would have thought if there's a team that's going to score next, it'll be us because they were absolutely rocking uh, and we, our, our tails were up. But it just killed it. It absolutely killed it for us. I'm not saying we didn't try after that, but it really took the heart out of the performance and, and it was horrible to watch in that sense. And Roy's tried to change a few things and we'll talk about the subs afterwards, but let's just cover the, the final goal to make it 3-1 just before the end. So as I'd said, while forward momentum, I, I felt had died by this point. Um, and we were a little bit disjointed because of the changes that were made and the decisions that were made on those changes. Um, but anyway, look, we, uh, Everton got their first corner of the game. Um, on 88 minutes crossed it in so the first thing that happens is Luca completely loses uh, Richarlison who he's marking uh, and he's able to run across the front of Cahill and get to the ball first uh, his header then comes off the bar Dominic Calvert-Lewin there to tap in game over I imagine that um, Terence will be ribbing Eskif on uh, the next preview pod because he predicted that that would happen that we'd lose 3-1 and um DCL, as you've put him here, would get the, the third goal and he was spot on. It's a miracle. Yeah, I wish you could predict things that were of use. Um, yeah. There you go. <laughs> well, well done, Hesketh, for the uh, for the prediction. Um, you can't give him stick this week, can you? So there you go. Um, so there you go. That's, that's 3-1. I've got to talk about the subs. So for, look, first of all, you know, we made three subs. Two of them I'm fine with, right? Tompkins for Dan, injury, totally understandable. Uh, McCarthy came off, which I thought was the right decision. And I'll talk about McCarthy in a sec, actually, uh, but to bring on Max Mayer, try something a little bit different. He actually played Max centrally and, and hoped for him to get on the ball. 
fortunately for Max, he's always coming onto matches where we're trying to chase something, trying to chase the game, get ourselves back level, all those kinds of things. And it's not, it'd be nice to see him come on when we're, you know, trying to increase our attacking potential and creativity to win a football match rather than to get back into one. But anyway, that's by the by. Um, I don't know when I'm going to come back to McCarthy, but I will. But anyway, so the final substitution is the one that seems to have wound everybody up the most. And I can kind of see why. You've got Andros Townsend off the bench. You're 2-1 down. You're trying desperately to get in back into a match. So, what you know, Benteke's on the pitch. You're thinking, let's try and get some more service into him. No. What you're going to do is you're going to bring on one of your central defensive midfielders who wasn't in for the right back and move a central defensive midfielder into right back and play the same system. I just, how, I can't defend that. Can't defend that thought process. Coyote has something different to the other, to the Maccas anyway. Um, so yeah, a bit of height in there. Maybe he can get forward, get his head on something. He's, you know, quite, quite direct at times, but you've got Andros Townsend on the bench. If, you, if you're going to chase a football match, he's, he's right there. You're losing it. So if you can be conceded through putting too many attacking players on, fine. You know that's that's just what happens because you were losing the game and you tried to chase it. We can all deal with that. It's much harder to deal with bringing on a central defensive midfielder for a right back and then putting a midfielder at right back. Just baffling, absolutely baffling. It, it was the thing that that got to um, the people at the game. Definitely, I, I think you know we we realised that we were probably beaten by the better team. Until that point, when you know there was there was some proper moaning, um, and then people people leaving leaving early um, to go and get a pint before they left. Yeah, it was some um, inexplicably Roy thing to do, wasn't it? Absolutely right. But look, we're going to leave that there. It's been a hard thing to review. Hopefully, you're you're still with us. No paywall, no subscription. Back of the nest, fan created podcasts, videos, and articles, free forever. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery you in order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com couple of comments relating to the game were three. Rob Leonard said, to be honest, I think we were a sacco short of getting some points from the game. So I think that reflects the fact that, yes, it wasn't wasn't the worst game. And I think I said something similar earlier on when I was talking to, to Nick about uh, the passing ability and things like that. Having someone like Sacco there who can pass the ball out probably would have helped. But I think there were more things wrong <laughs> than, than just the defence. Speaking of stuff that's wrong, uh, Mikey's just put in the, uh, in the chat... Um, that my lip reading is terrible in comparison to his. Um, and what Hodgson actually said was, what a fucking save. Um, so uh, apologies. Um, apologies for that. Yeah, there you go. All right. Um, so David Bowden oft, uh, also got in touch and said, was it just one of those games um, 
we could have had three um, Richarlison goal sucker punch. And is the anger about the other results and situation rather than the game itself? Because I thought we looked decent and more positive than for a while. Nick, I'm going to ask you that. And we've probably said that ourselves, I guess, throughout the course of our review. But, you know, is, is it a fair point that we actually could have could have got a bit more out of that game and, and our anger and frustration is really about other things? I, I think the, we did look decent and positive, but only for a very short spell, you know, a very short spells. We need to maintain that in the game. And, yeah, it's hard. The, the confidence was knocked out of us when... when when the goal went in straight after we scored. So um, it's difficult, but it's it's about the manager geeing up the players and getting them ready for the game. It, it's, he's got to be the one that, that gets them fit for the game. And if you can't do that, you know, then something's going to change. Absolutely right. And the uh, manager should be named, it's for fuck's sake, but it's not swearing because it's the fuck is with a PH. So it's, you can say fuck if it's with a PH. Uh, <laughs> he, he wants uh, an explanation um, of the playing out from the back going through Guaita several times and then just lumping it forward for the Everton defence to start an attack um, and I can't really I can't really explain that mate I'm afraid um, other than the fact that I would suggest that rather than going through all the passing let's just if we're going to end up having to play direct let's set up to play direct like we did for the start of the second half get people in and around Benteke get the ball forward quick get the ball in from wide quick you know, that that way will start to put pressure on teams. So I kind of agree with what you're saying there. I can't really explain why we don't do that with the personnel that we put out. So he's had some got some questions though, and thoughts on dropping Luca, starting Gyro centrally. Hmm, sounds familiar, Nick. Um, with MacArthur slash Coyote, Maya slash Ayu in front, and then Wilf, Ben Teke, and Andros. Um, I think trying to personally, I'd say trying to fit Maya or Ayu with Benteke, Andros and Wilf, I think can only be done if you if you are sacrificing something in the middle there. But I'm I'm, I'm on board with it because it's pretty much what I, I picked. The idea of dropping Luca and starting Gyro, I'm personally not comfortable with it because I still rate Luca, but I'm starting to become in a minority, I think. Um, um, thoughts on that, Mike? I mean, my only thought on it um, is I, I, I don't, I'm not so bothered about midfield. I think all of the players have got their their strengths. I'm just not sure that IU and Ben Teke together is 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 strong enough. And I, I would rather see Wilf Andros and one one other. Um, that's that's the main thing that bothers me. I, I just don't think. I mean, IU scored six whilst playing down the middle, and since he's been on the right, he's been anonymous for large periods. I just don't think it it suits him. If anything, he's a left sided player. Um, so. Yeah, that, that's the thing that really gets to me. I think it's interesting. People often hark back to the time where we were playing what you might call relatively decent football. I think the the zenith of that was when we beat Leicester 5-0, um, back when we had Loftus-Cheek. If you remember back then, it was a 4-4-2. You had Wilf playing up with Benteke. Um, and the left-hand side, and right, uh, right-hand side was MacArthur, left-hand side was, was Loftus-Cheek. So you had central midfielders playing out and wide is in inverted commas. You can't see it because it's a podcast. But they they were the wide in the mid wide in the midfield. But we essentially played them very very narrow in terms of wide players. They weren't wingers. They were all about driving in field. And we we lamented the lack of width at times. But it actually enabled us to play some fairly good football. Uh, and I do wonder, you know, as much as I'm an advocate of the the sort of forward three, if you like, uh, I think under Roy, I think under another manager, we can we can do that. But under Roy with his um, should we say 
favourites, I think perhaps a return to that might work better as well. Nick? There's always the possibility, of course, that Andros isn't actually 100% fit. Um, I remember reading an interview with him about a serious injury he had before, and he said he had to change the way he played to to get round the the effect the injury had. So I don't know if there's anything going on with being injured so badly again this time, and whether that's kind of playing on it or not. You know, we we, we just I don't, don't think know. so. There, there could be a reason for, for him not playing. I don't think so. I think the bottom line is he's he's you know in full training. I'd, I'd say it's much more about the fact that. You know, Roy wants Ben Take to be the figurehead because he, you know, he wants him to do some, um, you know, some work for the team in that position in terms of holding it up. Uh, and he also doesn't feel that dropping Ayu would be appropriate. And I think a lot of people would agree with that. Um, but again, it's about I, I still feel that's forcing people to play roles in the system because they're your favourites rather than picking the best players for the system. But. There we go. We can move on from that now. That's way, way, way too much talking about the game. Um, so let's get on to the Q&A. Um, so we asked a few questions on Twitter earlier on. Um, Mike put a tweet out. We've got loads of replies. Not going to get to them all. But these are the things that people want us to talk about. Some of those were included in the the, uh, the match review that we've just done. But so a simple question from Ebo. Um, I'm going to ask this one to Nick. He wants to know what the fuck is going on behind the scenes. Oh, bloody knows at all. It's it's there's stadium. There's the Americans. How much input there is? Is Steve Parrish bothered by this? Is he pulling his hair out? Um, is he still naive as a chairman? Um, how much role does Dougie Friedman have? As nobody told Roy that doing the same thing all the time is idiotic if you're not getting results. Um, you know, how far down does the Malayas go? And is squad um, togetherness still there? Yeah, I think, you know, it's, you know, all of those things come under that question. And obviously it's not something we're going to be able to answer. I think we talked a lot in the, the transfer window shows about the potential disconnect between board and manager. Roy has very publicly come out and talked about you know, positive talked about a contract. And I, I've got to say this, please, guys, come on. <laughs> don't, 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 please don't make me have another year. Please, no, not another year. Um, but, you know, obviously those back in Roy will say, you know, give him the right players, get on the same page and give him another year and he'll, he'll show you, what you know, some some good football and some good results. But, uh, you know, for me, that ship has sailed. But that's obviously one thing that we can talk about that's going on behind the scenes. But what we don't know really, other than clearly something has changed with regards to the direction of the ownership, with regards to the financial input, there's something not quite right there. You know, the, the, there's no doubt that the stadium is stalled. There's no doubt that investment in the team is just not there at the moment. Um, you know, our wage bill is incredibly high, which I'm sure doesn't help, but, you know, we, it doesn't really seem to be that same drive from the top to progress. You know, Steve Parrish has gone on record about talking about how important it is not to stand still because in this division you go backwards, but that's exactly what we've done uh, for several transfer windows now. Um, so there's something up. There's no doubt about that. But, you know, it's not the worst situation we've ever been in as Palace fans, and we could probably do well to remember that at times as well. So let's move on from that. Uh, Waggers66 wants us to talk about the weather. It's windy, isn't it? Pretty windy at the moment. 
It was uh, it was really nice in Liverpool yesterday, actually. Um, other than if you were just wearing a t-shirt, when it was probably a bit nippy. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the dangers of vomiting all over yourself, eh? But um, yeah, it's, it's actually still there, there isn't it? Today. Yeah, we said that. Yeah, he's, he's still there. Yeah, yeah. Fun. It's a nice, nice town. But yeah, you you mentioned pre-show, Nick, that you were uh, you went out and got immediately soaked. Oh, was it that in the intro? It's hard to remember. It seems so long ago. Yeah, it was a pre-show. I've never got wet so instantly. It came at me sideways. It was like being thrown up, having a bucket of water thrown at me, like and tis was. It was literally drenched. Poor old dog. He um he he, he loves his walks. He's when he's come home straight away. So never known rain like it and wind. Tis was yeah. that really is that's one for the kids there yeah but the, the the really annoying thing is all i didn't have me i wanted to hear the wind and stuff because i knew it'd be storming but all the way all i could have going through my head was when you walk through a storm and i just had that going on for 15 minutes with the rain lashing down on me and it really did me head in i had to come home and put some different music on um, there you go. I couldn't actually some... hold my head up high because it's so windy some evidence of Nick's problems and his dog barking in the background as well. And um, so there you go. That's a cracking one. Stephen Barton's got in touch. In cricket, we have specialised coaches for batting, fielding and bowling. Would it be feasible to bring in an attacking coach to work with the forward players to bring some fresh impetus and different ideas? Roy gets praised for his defensive setup, but that's only half the game. Well, obviously, there are specialist coaches in football as well. Um, we don't really have a particularly big coaching staff. Um, in terms of first-team coaches anyway, I dare say some of the um, academy and reserve coaches may may get involved in some of the training as well. But it's an interesting point. Uh, you know, I'll take the question myself. Uh, you know, from, from my perspective, that's one of the things that might encourage me, um, were Roy to stick around, if he was to bring in people for some new ideas. You know, I don't have any specific problem with Ray Lewington and, and you know, I sort of encourage the idea of promoting people like Dave Reddington as well. But, you know, it's been widely observed, whether it's true or not, that since um, we lost Stephen Reid, there seemed to have been a a lack of creative thinking um, from seemingly from the coaching setup. I don't know if that's true. It just appears that way. It might just be coincidence. But bringing in some someone else to the coaching staff um, probably would be something that would appeal to me. So not a bad shout there. Um Mike, Mark Drew wants our thoughts on relegation. I don't know if that's in the event if we were relegated or how close we think relegation is, but what do you reckon? I mean, it did worry me. I think I was in the WhatsApp chat yesterday. Terence told me to shut up, but um, I was coming back from the game thinking, oh, I don't really see where we're getting any points from. Um, obviously, we're still six above the drop zone, but more worryingly, um, we're only three above Brighton, who picked up another draw, um, and I've got a nasty sinking feeling about a couple of Saturdays' time. Um, I mean, I, I think we're going to need more points, or teams staying up, we're going to need more points than usual, just because um, this is a very odd season. I think it will be a proper 40-point season, in which case we need 10 more points from, from 12 games. Fairly um, fairly simple maths. Um, if we were to go down, uh, Mr. Drew, um, at least you're going to get eight more games next season, aren't you? Well, potentially. I mean, what I'll say is the idea of relegation doesn't scare me, but the financial impact of the club really does. Um, I do I do worry what that, what that would be like. I mean, you'd certainly lose, you know, although we do need to do a hell of a lot of squad surgery as well, so maybe that would help, but it wouldn't be good. Let's put it that way. 
Uh, Rob got in touch and said, what's the what's the criteria to support a different club? He did that with smiley faces, those who don't have a go at him, Nick, but um, you're not allowed ever, are you? No, ever, ever. It's it's a curse. It's a blessing and a curse, and you just have to go with it. And, and we, we talked about... And downs. We talked about this long ago when we were called Homesdale Radio, um, but we talk, used to talk about feeling sorry for fans of certain clubs because they didn't get to feel the full range of emotions that you get being a Palace fan, and this this comes under that, doesn't it, Nick? It's you know it's the full picture of what it is to be a football supporter. And what was also mentioned back in those halcyon days was that we hope we don't get like Stoke and everybody moaning all the time till eventually they go down through sheer apathy so mm. let's hope not yeah tough when the apathy seems to come from uh, some more important areas but there you go let's um so we've sort of tackled this Cy got in touch one of a number of questions i picked three of his i think six <laughs> um, so good to get those questions in mate cheers um so he's asked about the new stadium the academy i think the academy funding and process is underway the site's been sorted and all that kind of stuff so i think that's just going to take a bit of time Stadium, you know, the signs are very, very, well, it's just very quiet, isn't it? So I think when you've got an ownership issue at the club, like we seem to have in terms of the, the people at the top who still want to be there, very hard to invest any significant money in something. So bit of a bit of a concern. But he talks about the ageing squad and asks, what's the plan for the next three to five years? And I think that it's difficult to answer because the plan at the moment has just now got to be down to how do we play out the rest of the season and try and stay in this division? And that's a sad thing. Um, the plan for the next three to five years, you know, the brief from owners, chairman to director of football to manager will be dealing with that ageing squad. We've twice twice in a row, understandably, because once you do it once and don't change the team, it, it will keep happening. We've put our oldest ever Premier League squad out. And we, in fact, in fact have the second oldest Premier League squad in Europe, I think it is. So not just not good, and there's so much work needs to be done on that. We really need to do, get stuff done with the academy as well, because bless them, the under twenty three team aren't doing that well by all accounts, are they? So it's not like you know if we go down, we had the players coming through when we came up, didn't we? We had our I won't um, pluralise your Zaha's and your clients, but do you know what I mean? We, we we haven't got those players coming through to to help us bounce back. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not big into the idea of where the academy is finishing and how they're playing. Is that big of a deal, personally, in terms of results? But I mean, you've got to remember we've sent a lot of players, either released players or sent them out on loan, or you know, or sold, sold slash given them away. So they're actually down to quite a, a low number in terms of the academy squad. So that's why you see lots of trialists at the moment. They're trying to, to bring those numbers up with a bit of quality from other academies at the minute. But definitely some work to do there. Agree, Nick. Um, Moving on, um, Keith Powell wants us to talk about Hodgson's future. Palace Ash on the same topic, saying lots of people calling for Roy to go. Uh, not him yet. Who is there to replace him? And Bucks Eagle countering with Roy is doing well with what he's got. Um, we could obviously go on for a very long time, but I feel we'll be returning to this topic shortly. Um, so let's get um, a, a view a view each, shall we, gents, on that. So first of all, I'll, I'll just summarise by saying I can't really be doing, and I respect other people's point of view. I respect your your view, Bucks Eagle. I can't currently cope with people telling me Roy is doing well with what he's got. You know, he's he's now got the best, you know, the best part of his squad back. It's a decent squad. It's capable of more than he's delivering, and he's he's holding us back. In my view, I've had enough. 
Um, and, you know, Keith wants us to talk about it, but Palace are specifically talking about who is there to replace him. I think I talked in my my solo podcast last week to, to cover the fact we had some illness. Um, I don't like being asked that question. I think it's it's not for me to answer, really. But, I mean, we can try. But realistically, saying you have to keep the manager you've got because you, you haven't come up with a plan to replace him, the plan has to come from the club. They're the ones that do the succession planning. When you want to replace someone, you do interviews, you work, try and listen to what they want to do for your club, how much effort they've put into research in your squad, where they think the way to go. Those are the things that need to be considered when replacing a manager, not who's out of work or not who's doing well at another club. Um, but there you go. So um, that's what I've got to say on it. So I'm not going to pick out a name, but Mike, I'll start with you. Um, are you currently in the Royale camp? And you got any ideas who you'd bring in? No, I'm not in the Royale camp. Um I think uh, I can't see a situation where Parrish is going to um, pull the trigger on him either. Um, he might not offer him an extension, but it sounds as though he, he has. Um, so h- hard to say, but I, I think he's probably earned himself, um, especially at his age as well, the option to go when he wants within reason. Um, yes, I mean, it's frustrating at, at times, but... Um, there's also times where he pulls it back together um, and he tends to, after a bad period, suddenly we go on an, an amazing run. Um, so we'll have to see if that happens. In terms of who'd replace him, um, money-wise, I can't see it being somebody that's in contract because it costs a lot of money. The same reason I don't think he'd get rid of him because he doesn't want to pay the millions that would involve getting rid of a manager. Um, I mean... Chris Hewton's currently out of a job, but the people that are out of a job might not be by the time that Hodgson leaves. Um, I would personally absolutely love to see Emma Hayes, the Chelsea women manager, and really um, become a famous club for having the first um, female manager because she seems absolutely amazing. But that's probably out of left field and not based on anything whatsoever. Um, It's just conjecture, isn't it? I mean... I don't think any of us could come up with anything that would be remotely like what will actually happen. We'll end up with, I don't know, Pardy back from Den Haag or something. <laughs> please, please, no, Patrick's head will oh. explode. Um, Nick, just to quickly, I mean, you've, you've basically suggested that this week you've sort of drifted into the Royale camp. Um, is, just to confirm that that's the case, and have you got any ideas who you'd like to see in next? Yeah, I mean, I was going to say the the Newcastle game, if, if, if we don't get anything out of that, I'll try and at least play a bit differently or, you know, at least like look like we want to win a game and play with a bit more verve. Um, then, yeah, I think it, I think it is time because it's just, the malaise has been going on for too long and we kept on, kept on to Pardew for way too long, way too long, by, by about six or seven months. Um, I don't want that happening with Roy because it just sucks the life out of you as a supporter. Um, and, yeah, it, we, we want it to be a pleasant experience going to Palace again. And if, if he can't shift the way we're playing, then something's got to be done. Absolutely right. Um, we had loads more questions and maybe we'll keep some over for another show, but I don't want us to go on too much longer. Um, but uh, I think we'll, we'll end with covering... Um, there's one about Wilf, but I think I will keep that going. So thanks for that, Bucks Eagle. I think some interesting points to discuss around uh, your views on, on Wilfred Zaha there and um, the sort of general... Uh, attitude a few weeks ago we're talking about Europe and all that kind of stuff I think we'll come back to that another time at least I hope we will 
Um, but I think, can we end with Martin's commentary saying, are we sleepwalking into relegation? Persisting with negative tactics is, um, is costing us, uh, suggesting obviously the, the, the difficulty of trying to play for a nil-nil every week. Um, and it's really the term sleepwalking that I want to talk about. I mean, do, do we feel perhaps that anyone that the club are actually the club must be aware right they, you know they can see the league table you know the, the chairman can see what's happening he watches watches the games and sometimes the camera cuts to him with certain expressions on his face that suggests he's feeling the things we're all feeling um so i don't know if necessarily we're sleepwalking into it but i think i do think it's a fair comment from the perspective that we, everyone talked you know, a, quite a long time ago now about how we got the points on the board and how we're not going to go down this year. We all talked about it, and I do feel like the club, by the club I probably mean the players and the management, have kind of played like that, if it makes sense. We've kind of gone into every game with that malaise that we've talked about, with a, the consistency of tactics, and just thinking, you know, in the grand scheme of things, statistically, we'll pick up enough points now because we've got so many on the board. But, you know, you think it's weeks now since we were saying we've got 30 points on the board, you know, and we've still got 30 points on the board. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's a really worrying time for me. Uh, I have to say, I'm, you know, I'm in a position where I am very much looking at the bottom of the table and, and, and worrying. It's, I still maintain it's because people started talking about getting into Europe on Twitter. Every time that happens, we just slide and slide. Don't mention it, kids, at all. We'll be fine. Just going to say, you mentioned Europe in a podcast because I listened to it, back to it the other day and I'm blaming you entirely. Mike, have we got time for your quiz? Should we do your quiz? Absolutely. I mean, it's going to take less long than the last quiz and um, it's also going to make more sense. Brilliant. Uh, yeah. Well, hang on, let's, let's give it some context. Before... Mike delivered us a uh, an entirely inaccurate and completely convoluted quiz. So I'm hoping that this is an accurate and less convoluted quiz. So let's go. It's both of those things. And the subject of the quiz of the week um, is Christian Benteke. Um, I felt Ooh. he's probably due. Um, it was great to hear people shout, how shit must you be? Um, Benteke scored. At the game, um, so I thought, yes, let's ask some questions. Um, so I've got three questions. Um, the f- I, so three rounds. Um, I'm going to start you both with a, a fairly simple question um, about Christian Benteke. So who wants to go first? I'll let Nick go first. Go on then. Okay, I'm, so, I'm not very good at these. Okay, well, um, you've got a fairly simple one. So... Um, Including this season and the two previous seasons, so that's 17-18, 18-19 and this season, how many league goals has Benteke scored? Five. Yes, yes, easy. Good stuff. So you see, start off with an easy one. And a fairly simple one for you as well, Hambo, although you did choose to go second and it is slightly less easy. Can you remember who his one league goal was against last season? Leicester? No. Mm, that's upsetting. Uh, it was in our three-two win over Arsenal when he. he yeah, you're quite right. That's the season before was a header against Leicester. Uh, yeah, upsetting. so right. it's one nil, Nick. What I didn't decide is what you win. Um, so you have to sort this out between yourselves. Um, <clears throat> so this one, this one's a bit more difficult, and I'm going to ask the, the single question, and you can both have a guess, and whoever's closer, um, you'll get the points. So. Um, he scored a penalty, um, and that was that was actually against Leicester in the five nil win. 
um, back at the end of the 17-18 season. But before that, how long ago was the last time he scored a goal with his feet? So this is a goal from open play. Um, so you can give it to me in days, in weeks or in months. Um, so you have a go first, uh, Nick, and then I'm going. 27 weeks. 27 weeks. Okay, so 27 <laughs> weeks since the last time he scored a goal with his feet, other than that penalty. And Hambo? 28 weeks. <laughs> so he's good, good to go second. You can be a bastard about it, can't you? Um, I think you can both go quite a bit higher. Um, I'll, I'll let you in. 33 months, 16 days ago. Two Ooh. years... Two years, nine months, and sixteen days between that goal and the one he scored against Everton, um, and it was a goal against Liverpool. Um, he scored with uh, left foot in in that two one win uh, back in the thirty fourth game of the two thousand sixteen seventeen season. So um, fair to say he's not too prolific with his feet. Um, so that's t- that's one all. So this is the deciding one. Uh, question three. Um, which two sides has he scored the most against? So that's three goals he scored against two sides. Um, and being as you got the last one right hand, if you go first. Right, I'm going to say, oh, this is difficult, man. Um, I'm going to say Liverpool and... It's not, but I can only think of Chelsea. Uh, it's neither of those sides. So he's he's scored three goals against two sides. Nick, do you want to have a go? Uh, I'm going to say Everton. And has he scored three goals against us for other teams? Does that count? Oh, this is for Palace. Oh, for Palace. Okay, Everton and Arsenal. No, again, neither of those two sides. Hambo, do you want to have a go? So say is, is Leicester one of them? Yes, Leicester's um, one. Yep. Um, uh, West Ham. No, I will give you a clue on the other one. Um, he scored. He scored a brace against them um, back in the season when he scored the um, well when he his decent season. Um, and if you, it, I'll give you a bit more of a hint, it was the game after the Swansea five four game. So it's the, he scored a brace against the other this other team that he scored three against, and it was the game straight after the five four. I'm even struggling to name teams at the moment. Um, yeah, are they, are they still in the Premier League, this team? Certainly are. Uh, and they gave us a good old-fashioned whipping not that long ago. Put you out of your misery and it can be a one-all yeah. draw. Southampton yeah. and Leicester are the two oh. sides he scored three goals against. So, yes, that is uh, some, some Benteke fun for you there. Well, I thoroughly enjoyed myself there. <laughs> good. All right. Thank you very much, Mike. Uh, Another quiz back next week. Right. We'll leave you there. Uh, Don't forget to check out the pitch app, Google Pitch Sport Football, and you'll find a way to download the app there, interact with us on it, and um, and contribute to yourselves. And send us your your team lineups and what else? And tell tell us how you're doing your predictions. If you add us as friends on there, uh, send us your codes and we'll add you. Um, you You can compete in a little league table, which I'm currently top of the massive four people that are in it so do join us for that of course listen to the love sports show wednesday 8 to 9 p.m the podcast will be out shortly after that and of course the preview boys will be back with more fun 
ahead of the Newcastle game. Thank you very much indeed. See you later. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talksport Fan Network. Talksport, powered by fans.